You are listening to the God Focused Life Podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Thompson, and my prayer is that every single listener will be inspired and challenged to be all that God has created you to be. Hello, and welcome to episode 11 To Judge or Not to Judge. This is a sticky topic, especially this day and age. So we are going to dive into it, though. Um, Before I do, I would like to invite you to rate and review this podcast. For those who are searching for this podcast, it's just easier to find when there are more ratings. So just by simply giving it your rating, it will help others find the podcast more easily. So thank you in advance for doing that. Okay, to judge or not to judge. This is so controversial because there are so many verses in the Bible. When you Google it, you will see many verses that talk about don't judge, do not judge others, don't condemn, you know, he who cast the first stone. You see so many things. And in all honesty, depending on which side of the fence you are on, you can find verses to back you up. So that's what happens is when people are just searching for one or two verses alone without seeing the entirety of the word of God, we get it really, really confused and we can be off target when it comes to judgment. There is a right kind of judgment and there is a wrong kind of judgment. So uh, just in a nutshell, let me tell you this. Whenever we are judging others and we are not using compassion and we are using our own opinions and we are literally judging whether or not someone is saved or unsaved or judging whether they are godly or ungodly, we are using a wrong kind of judgment because that judgment is saved for God himself. Okay, so when we are judging others without using that compassion, Jesus died for all, and he wants every single person saved, and he has compassion for every single person. Now, when we are using judgment, I actually like to use the word discernment. When we are judging or discerning someone else's fruit and saying, this is going to reap a good harvest or this is going to reap a bad harvest. That is the kind of judgment that is okay for a Christian. And I'm going to get a little bit more into that a little bit later in this podcast. Okay, so that's the overview of right and wrong judgment, but I want to get into what does God's word say, you know, like the overview of it. We see in the Old Testament where God gave the law to Moses to give to the people of Israel. They, those are the people like God's children. They are in the desert. They are just coming out of Egypt. They're in the desert. They're getting ready to go into the promised land and God gives them the law. This is right. This is wrong. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're not going to do. Okay. He gives it very, very clear to them. And there's so, 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 so many of them. And we see that they can't keep up with the law and there are sacrifices that are made and they have to have a priest and pray and ask God to forgive. And he does that. But we see the law in the Old Testament with the father. Later, we see Jesus come on the scene and Jesus literally says that his food, like He, like his very sustenance comes from doing the will of the father. That was his main desire was to do what God, the father wanted him to do. And even though he was a man, he was in flesh. He was tempted the same way we are. He spent so much time with the father so that he could be empowered by the father to do what God wanted him to do on planet earth. 
We see this later as the Holy Spirit empowers. Jesus breathed on the disciples, and then later on we see the Holy Spirit come at Pentecost to empower us to do the will of the Father, for us to walk in freedom based on what was done at the cross. Jesus died once and for all for mankind, and we decide, do we want to accept Jesus as our Savior? Do we want to say yes to him? When we say yes to him, we start following the ways of Jesus. We start getting empowered by the Holy Spirit. We start reading our Bible, getting around other people who are reading their Bible, and we start doing what the Bible says. That's what being a Christian is all about. That's what, what being a Christ follower, follower is all about. We live according to the word. Now we see in the Bible, I love this. I'm going to read through this because in Corinthians, we see, actually we see Paul write many letters to different uh, churches, different areas. We see Corinthians, especially, they were really, really struggling with sin, lots of sin, <laughs> and what we would say heavy hitter sins, lots of sexual immorality, lots of, they were just using their freedom in Christ to give them a license to do whatever they want to do. Um, I like this. I read the um, the version of the Bible that I read is, oh, I read a lot of versions, but one that I really like is the Life Application Bible because it gives a lot of notes, and I really love the introduction that 1 Corinthians has. Um, so it starts out, I'm just going to read this introduction that it says. It's an overview of what Corinthians is all about. So it says, on a bed of grass, a chameleon skin turns green. On the earth, it becomes brown. The animal changes to match the environment. Many creatures blend into nature with God-given camouflage to suit and aid their survival. It's, it's very natural to fit in and adapt to the environment. But followers of Christ are new creations, born from above and changed from within with values and lifestyles that confront the world and clash with accepted morals. True believers don't blend in very well. Okay, so that right there says we are spirit filled. If we have decided that Jesus is our savior, Holy Spirit has come in and we are born from the inside out and we are going to clash with the world and its ways. The Christians in Corinth were struggling with their environment, surrounded by corruption and every conceivable sin. They felt the pressure to adapt. They knew they were free in Christ, but what did this freedom mean? How should they view idols or sexuality? What should they do about marriage, women in the church, and the gifts of the Spirit? These were more than the theoretical questions. The church was being undermined by immorality and spiritual immaturity. The believer's faith was being tried in the crucible for immoral Corinth, and some of them were failing the test. Paul heard of their struggles and wrote this letter, to address their problems, to heal their divisions, and answer their questions. Paul confronted them with their sin and their need for corrective action and clear commitment to Christ. Now, right there, Paul is sending them a letter confronting their sin. Now, this day and age, some people would consider Paul as judgmental. Why are you judging us? We are Christ followers. We love Jesus, but we're sinning on the side. No, Paul is saying, you are Christ followers, therefore you should act like a Christ follower. 
Okay, so after a brief introduction, meaning of 1 Corinthians, Paul immediately turns to the question of unity. He emphasizes the clear and simple gospel message around all or around which all believers should rally. He explains the role of the church leaders and he urges them to grow up in their faith. Paul then deals with the immorality of certain church members and the issue of lawsuits among Christians. He tells them to exercise church discipline and to settle their internal matters themselves. Because so many of the problems of the Corinthian church involved sex, Paul denounces sexual sin in the strongest possible terms. So basically, when he goes, he was like, you can't ask the world to judge your matters within the church because the world sees that this is okay. The church, according to God's word, says this is not okay. So don't take church matters into the world. You need to figure it out according to God's word. Okay, so next Paul answers some questions that the Corinthians had because prostitution and immorality were pervasive. Marriages in Corinth were in shambles um, and Christians weren't sure how to react. Paul gives pointed and practical answers concerning the question of meat sacrificed to idols. Paul suggests that we show complete commitment to Christ and sensitivity to other believers, especially weaker brothers and sisters. Paul goes on. So basically there, um, it's like we're free to eat meat or not eat meat. But in the Old Testament, there were, you know, they were definitely stricter. So there are some freedoms. But Paul is saying, you know what? Just be considerate for those who are really trying hard to walk according to the word. Let them, you know, even though um, things may or may not be um necessarily considered sin, don't use your freedom to make someone else stumble. If they are trying to be pure for God's sake, then encourage them and you know let them continue being pure for God's sake. Paul goes on to talk about worship and he carefully explains the role of women, the Lord's Supper and spiritual gifts. Sandwiched in the middle of this section is his magnificent description of the greatest gift, which is love. And that is the love chapter. Then Paul concludes with a discussion of the resurrection, some final thoughts and greetings and a benediction. In this letter, Paul confronted the Corinthians about their sins and shortcomings. And 1 Corinthians calls all Christians to be careful not to blend in with the world and accept its values and lifestyles. We must live Christ-centered, blameless, loving lives that make a difference for God. As you read 1 Corinthians, examine your values in light of complete commitment to Christ. Now, let me get very practical with you. Um, in my life, I have seen different stages of this. Um, I My mom died when I was 14 years old, and um, so I didn't have a mom guiding me day by day to get into the Word. My dad worked a lot, so he wasn't there with me every single day to guide me according to the Word. I went to church but you know, on the weekends, and I was involved in a youth group, but I did not have that day-to-day guidance of parents just pouring in and pouring in and pouring in the truth of God's word. And that's kind of what was going on in the Corinthians. They were blending in with the world and no one's really correcting them. They are blending in and looking like the world. And they're like, well, wait a minute, we're Christ and we are free in Christ. And so it's okay to be doing these things. And Paul comes to them and says, no, what are you doing? This is not okay. And he gives a rebuke even to the leadership. Like if you are leaders, you as a leader, that means being a servant. 
That means that you are knowing the words so that you have a little bit more mileage and you can actually lead other people and serve other people to teach them the ways of the word to become um, not free from obeying the word, but free from the condemnation of like, okay, I'm in the struggle. I'm in the struggle here. You know, um, there were certain things from the law of Moses that we are free from now because Jesus paid the price and we don't have to go kill the fatted calf and we don't have to abstain from certain kinds of meats. But there were other people that just loved the Lord so much. They were just like, no, I'm going to keep with this law. And Paul is saying, keep encouraging them because they want to live this pure life. But then other people were like, no, we're free. We can eat the meat and we can do this and we can do that. And they just took that freedom way, way, way too far. Now, um, as I was saying, as a teenager, I uh, didn't have someone that was really, really pouring into me. This is God's word. I didn't have someone going through the the chapters and the verses with me, you know, on a daily or a weekly basis. It was just kind of, okay, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus, but my behavior started becoming more and more and more like the world. I even married someone unequally yoked. And I didn't have that uh, instilled in me to marry someone that was really, really living according to the word. Uh, Later on, my life just gets really off course. I love Jesus. I loved him and uh, loved what I knew of the word, but I wasn't instructed in it. So I I have insight into my own life. And as a 46 year old looking back at that teenager and that 20 something, I have such compassion for her because I know I walked in her shoes. I had the love for Jesus, but I was really, really messing up. So the fruit of my life was really wretched and it was horrible, but deep, deep down inside, I still had a love for Christ. Okay. So there are two different kinds of judgment there. One is judging, is she a Christian or is she not a Christian? right? Because if you looked at my fruit, you'd be, it it would be easy to say, nope, she's not a Christian. Well, that's not our job to judge. That is God's alone. He knows our hearts. We don't even know our own hearts. The Bible says that he knows our hearts. He even knows the words that we're going to say before we do. He knows our hearts. That is his job to judge our salvation um, and judge whether we are true Christ followers or not. However, It is our job to judge the fruit. I can look back on my own life and say, this is sin. This was, you know, God honoring. This was, this is going to produce a bad harvest. This is going to produce a good harvest. And uh, I can look back and see there were many, many, many consequences to my poor choices. I think sometimes if we interchange that word and use discernment, that will help us to know that we can judge rightly. As a parent, you better believe I teach my children to judge rightly, to use discernment. I remember when my daughter was somewhere between the ages of four and six, she would hang out and go to a certain uh, person's house and they went to church and they were Christians and we actually liked uh, their mom and um, it was a single parent home and, you know, we loved them and, and thought a lot of them, but uh, the, they did not live exactly the way that we did. We demanded our kids to honor their father and mother, to not be sassy and to not be, um, you know, get their own way. And, you know, just there were a lot of differences. And we found that when Olivia went to this little girl's house 
And when she came back home, we were spanking her for her behaviors. And then we were kind of confused, like, why is Olivia acting like this? Well, she's a child. She's young. She's formidable. And she's going to start behaving like those that she's hanging around. And so from a young age, we realized we have to set our children up for success. And while we did not judge them as far as who they are, as far as their character of being a Christian or not a Christian, it was the principles of how we were going to raise our children. This is okay. And this is not okay. As far as our home goes, you're not allowed to do that inside our home. But it was really setting Olivia up for failure when we are allowing her to spend time with certain kids and then coming home and acting that way. And then she's the one getting the spanking. It just was not fair. So when we started hanging around other people that were like-minded and really lived, you know, these children had parents that lived like we did. We taught the same way. We wanted that to be their plumb line. You don't talk back. We weren't parents that counted one, two, three. It was like when we said, do this, we expect you to obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Um, So train your children up in the way they should go. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. We held very firmly to the word of God because my husband and I know what it's like to live a life outside of God's word. And we've already, you know, reaped those consequences of living outside of God's word. And it's not pretty. And we don't want that for our children. As they have gotten older, we are continuing to guide them and direct them to make choices. And it's like they are getting a little bit more. Um, they get to make the decisions for themselves. Are these children look, you know, these teenagers or whatever, look at their parents, look at their, who are, are they dating? Look at, you know, their language. Are they drinking? Are they smoking? Are they doing drugs? Are they sassy? Do they have attitudes? You, you know, and I really train them. We, you know, we both be around people who are like-minded and have the same goals that you have. And this could be applying to God's word or even applying to like, say, personal development, which personal development this day and age is according to God's word um, to be successful because we will mirror those that we are around. We will become like them. In personal development books, you will read that you will become the average of the five people you hang around the most. And I want my children to be successful in every area. There are verses in the Bible that talk about how to deal with your money, how to forgive others. There's, you know, how to honor your parents, how to, um, you know, to live your life, to honor the Lord and to worship, how to worship God. What does God require? So, um, there, you know, if following the will of God for your life, you know, do we just want to follow the American dream and make lots of money? Or do we want to be good stewards of the talents that God gives us, whether it is a spiritual talent, a spiritual gifting, or even a monetary gift? We want to honor the Lord in all of our decisions. So this is what I will say, um, you know, just to kind of wrap this podcast up. When you find yourself judging others based on them as a whole entire person, that is when it's a little bit scary um, because there will be people who are really, really struggling and they're struggling because we don't know what their life was like as a child. Maybe they were abused. Maybe they were abandoned. Maybe they were, who knows, this day and age, they could have been sex trafficked. They could have been, um, I mean, they could have had some horrific, horrible, horrible experience in their past. Or maybe they were trained up in a totally different religion and their minds and their brains literally go to another, they, they, they revert to something different 
different than what the word has. You know, uh, we just can't judge people, you know, when it comes to who they are. However, we can use discernment. Am, am I, if I am around these certain people and if I am really hanging around them, am I going to be better because of it? And when there are, whether it's leadership situations, even if it's in a work situation, say that you're going to go and get hired at a certain job and you are going to be working for someone who, you know, has a trash mouth and likes to go and drink and party, you know, a lot of nights of the week and all of this, like, do you really want to be under that kind of leadership or do you want to be with a company that has integrity that, you know, you, you, we just need to start weighing these things and use the discernment. We use discernment every day, all day long. When it comes to what are we going to eat for breakfast? Are we going to work out or not work out? Are we going to um, sit? Are we going to walk? Are we going to take the bus? Are we going to drive our car? Are we, we use discernment all of the time. What is going to be the wisest? If it's cold outside, are we going to wear a coat? <laughs> is it hot outside? You know, maybe a short sleep. Like we use discernment and make judgment calls all day long, all day long. And there is nothing wrong with judging the fruit of other people. Now, what happens when we are friends with someone who is making wrong and poor judgments? This is what I say, whether it's to myself or even to my kids. Am I strong enough to help that one person? Am I just going to hang around that other person and give them uh, like a check mark and say, okay, I love you, even though you are sinning, but I love you and I'm not going to judge you and you're going to stay right where you are. That other person's not going to get any better. Am I going to do that? And then you're going to condone uh, their lifestyle or whatever it is. Or are we going to say, you know what? I am following after Christ. And if you, you know, like if you want to follow me, we can follow Christ together, but I am a Christ follower and I can't compromise my own beliefs and I can't compromise um, doing something that goes against God's word. Um, and then when you have a friend, I think it's best, especially in those younger ages, when I mentor my kids, I tell them when you, when you see a friend that is really struggling, invite them to your youth group. Make sure that it is a strong Bible-based youth group. Make sure that you have a lot of strong, godly Christians that are leading the youth group, that are, um, whether it's in the you know immediate youth pastor or the leadership underneath there, they have to be you know, godly characteristics. I'm not talking about perfect, but I'm saying use discernment and right judgment to judge the fruit so that it's going to help your friends, right? And then bring those friends in so that they can be helped and live a better and more prosperous lifestyle, spiritually, um, emotionally, uh, in every area of life. When we do it God's way, we're kind of prosper. And if you have friends that are just not willing to go that route, then it's time to draw the line in the sand. It really is time to draw the line in the sand and make a right judgment call. You're not judging their entire person and condemning them to hell. That's not your job. You are not that judge. But you are judging the fruit of, is this good for me? Is this bad for me? And if that person is not willing to walk with you in the word of God and in that journey of Christ likeness, 
then that's not the friend that you want to have. That's when you can let them go. And that is okay. It's that differences. It's those differences. They're going to be toxic. Um, their behaviors will be toxic. Their language, just the things that they bring to the, to the relationship, it's going to be toxic and it's not going to help you grow in your walk with Christ and in your Christ likeness. So hopefully this helps you discern whether you are in that position of needing to make some judgment call or whether you are in a place of trying to help other people uh, use judgment or not use judgment to use discernment or not use discernment so that we can live according to the word of God and be like Paul. He was a leader and he was not afraid to go and confront the evil that was inside the church. Notice he's not going and talking and shaking his finger at the world. He's going and shaking his finger at the church and saying, "Uh uh-uh, we need to shape up. This is not the way to live a godly Christ-like life. We've got to clean it up. So how about you? Think about it. Spend some time journaling and praying and reading your word. Maybe go to the Corinthians and see what Paul had to say to the church in Corinth and see if any of us, I know that I can relate to different things to clean up in my life. So, okay, guys, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for listening in. I just pray that you've been blessed. And again, if you would just be so kind to rate and review this podcast, that would be so helpful. Um, So, okay, guys, until next time, have a great day.